Election College, episode number 271, Helen Nellie Taft. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Well, Jason, today we're going to talk about someone that most people have not heard of, but it's not the normal reason that people haven't heard of someone that we talk about in election college, because we tend to say that quite often. Uh, you haven't heard of this individual because they didn't go by their real name. <laughs> Helen uh, Louise Heron, uh, otherwise known as Nellie, uh, is the first lady of William Howard Taft. And we're going to talk about her for just a bit. So Helen Heron better known as Nellie to her family and friends, was born the fourth of 11 children in the Heron family in Cincinnati, Ohio. Her dad was a judge, John Williamson Heron, and John was a college classmate with Benjamin Harrison, and he was also a law partner of Rutherford B. Hayes. So pretty well connected. Definitely. And her mother, Harriet Collins Heron, was actually the daughter and also the sister of two different U.S. congressmen. So definitely connections on both sides of the family. Ella Collins, her grandfather, and her uncle, William Collins, who we mentioned, those were the individuals who were the members of Congress. And you may be wondering, why was she called Nellie rather than her real name, Helen? I mean, we, we've talked about some like weird nicknames on the show in the past, Jason, like, you know, why are people named William Bill and Margaret Peggy and that kind of stuff? Well, uh, she was referred to that because the only daughter in the family was named Helene and they wanted to have somebody named Nellie because it just was easier than trying to mix Helen and Helene and all that kind of stuff. So then she became Nellie. Wow. And that at least makes more sense than the Margaret Peggy thing. It definitely does. Yeah. I do not understand that at all. So Nellie was enrolled at a private uh, school known as the nursery. Um, proper name was Miss Norris School. And she took classes at the University of Cincinnati. And up until the time she got married, she taught in several different schools. And... Get this. So her dad, you know, partner with Rutherford B. Hayes, she attends the 25th wedding anniversary celebration for the Hayeses and even stayed at the White House for a week. That'd be pretty cool. Can you imagine going to not only the president's anniversary party, but also just like hanging out at the White House for a week? Yeah. Add that to your resume. That goes in your 15 second elevator speech. That's right. Absolutely. So in 1879, Nellie meets William Taft, and they're actually in Cincinnati at a bobsledding party. And uh, he's about 22 years old. She's about 18. And the next year, he says, hey, do you want to, you know, go out sometime? I'd be glad to show you around. And she's like, yeah, sure, um, maybe. But they didn't actually 
go out regularly until 1882, so about two years later. Further, uh, they date court, whatever it was called at the time, for a couple few years until about April of 1885. And he says, hey, you want to get hitched? And she's like, let me think about it for a month. And she gives him an answer the next month in May of 1885. So not only uh, did he... From start to finish there, we're looking at about six years between the time where he initially met her and the time that she finally accepted his proposal. But, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. So they go off to New York City to honeymoon, and then they go to New Jersey because everyone goes to New Jersey uh, for their honeymoon. No, that that's not right. They, that's probably not right, yeah. They, they just launch off to go to a three-month tour of Europe. I'm sure New Jersey was a, a fantastic place to get on a boat and go to Europe from. Probably. And that's what they did. They come back to Cincinnati, and Nellie is all about getting her husband <laughs> elected to whatever political office they could contrive. But Will was like, no, I think that I want to go into the judicial branch. Um, why not? So he's a state judge, solicitor general, federal circuit court judge and the Tafts go international in 1900 when Theodore Roosevelt says, Hey, will go to the Philippines and serve as the governor general. And Nellie was like, Hey, that sounds like a very good idea. Let's pack up the kids, move to Manila. And she plays a very big role in the Philippines because if you didn't know this, the Filipinos were a little skeptical of a foreign power being <laughs> in charge. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, she not only tries to, you know, assimilate into the crowd and, and, uh, blend in a little bit. She learns the language there. Uh, she invites people from the Philippines to different social events and she really gets on a good footing with them. When Will became the secretary of war, in 1904, uh, she's like, wow, there is so much more out here that I never knew existed. And I want to see it all. And I want to make all the friends and I want to just be connected in like a billion different ways. And that was kind of Nellie's thing was being connected and pushing Will into being more connected than he wanted <laughs> to be usually. Yeah. So we mentioned in passing uh, the three kids. They have Robert A. Taft, Helen Taft, later on Helen Taft Manning and Charles Phelps Taft II. What you need to know about the sons of the Tafts is they pay, they play, <laughs> they pay and they play a major role in Republican politics, especially Robert Taft on the national level. Uh, we'll end up talking more about him. We've talked about him on previous election episodes, but but Charles Phelps Taft II, this guy is known as Mr. Cincinnati. Really cool story about him, just a side note. He was mayor for a couple of years of Cincinnati. And during the city council meetings, they say that he used to listen to Reds games. He's a nice. big baseball fan. And if you look at his grave at Spring Grove Cemetery here in Cincinnati, he's like got the big headstone because he's Mr. Cincinnati. And he's pretty influential on the local uh, politic level. But Robert Taft, big time senator, leader of a faction of the Republican Party later on in the century. Nice. So Nellie is actually the first 
first lady. Uh, and this is, you know, when Will gets inaugurated and is going to be the president. He gets voted in. And she's the first one to ride in the president's inauguration parade. Previously, you know, didn't really, wasn't really suitable for women or the first ladies to ride along with their husbands or even in the same parade. But she broke that mold. And, of course, we've never seen it any different way since then. The weather was supposed to be bad, but she was like, nah, I'm going. I made this happen. <laughs> I pushed him. I'm going with him. And so after that, she becomes, you know, quite the Washington socialite. She really starts to... Uh, have guests come in three different afternoons a week in the Red Room at the White House. And then sometimes she would just like go to cabinet meetings <laughs> with uh, with Will. She wouldn't say anything, and uh, but probably was able to listen in and give him her pointers on what she thought a little later on. Uh, further, she continued to influence things that happened at the White House. Uh, pretty much now, anytime there's a state dinner, uh, there's a some musical entertainment of some type. And I think lately even they've started doing some, uh, you know, speakers and stand up and, and stuff like that. Uh, she was the one who kind of brought that into modern day where she started that tradition. Yeah. And there are other things that have a lasting effect on Washington DC as a result of Nellie Taft. Uh, one of the big things is the cherry blossoms. Mm -hmm. She, you know, ceremonially helped, helps plant um, a couple of the over 3,000 cherry trees around the tidal basin. And it's a pretty big deal because Japanese relations with the United States, you know, they've had their bad moments, but for the most part, we've been allies. And every year in the spring, it's a pretty big deal when the cherry blossoms, I was going to say launch, <laughs> bloom. But Helen Taft, she's the reason for that. Or Nelly. I think the Japanese probably called her Nelly. Probably. Uh, in 1909, so shortly after Will gets in office, uh, Nelly suffers from a stroke. And her right arm and legs is, are impaired. Uh, her speech is impaired. And her four sisters actually come to Washington and help her get back on her feet. Uh, she still continues to be a hostess at the White House and stuff like that. Um, but between her four sisters and Will, she was able to uh, re fully recover, essentially, from that stroke. Uh, also, while talking about entertaining people and being the, the White House hostess, uh, James Sherman, the vice president, he and his wife, Carrie, would come to the White House occasionally. We're going to talk about James Sherman here in a little bit. Uh, they didn't really get along. Sherman and Will didn't really get along all that well a lot of times. And after they started having these little get-togethers, you know, kind of informal and everything, uh, the working relationship gets a little bit better. It's still not going to be perfect, and they're still going to disagree on a lot of stuff, but at least they can stand to be in the same room as each other from that point on. So 1912, that's a big year. You know, that's the year Nellie planted the saplings, by the way, in March. And in June, the Republicans decided they're going to have a get-together called the Republican National Convention. And you know what happens. TR gets involved and splits the Republican Party into, I was going to say in twain, just to be, <laughs> to wax eloquent, but I'm not waxing anything right now. Uh, so she attends the Republican National Convention, and they renominate her husband, yay, Ra rah, rah for William Howard Taft. But then a little bit later, she goes up to the Democratic National Convention 
and sits in the front row. Why does she do this? Well, she doesn't want people criticizing her husband. And in fact, it kind of works because the speakers didn't really criticize her husband as harshly, we would surmise, as if she hadn't been there. So that's pretty gutsy. Definitely, yeah. It's pretty smart, too, I think. Uh, So after he loses the election, Will loses the election, they go back to Cincinnati, and Will starts teaching law. Well, Nellie starts writing her memoirs. She calls it Recollections of Full Years, and publishes that in 1914. Uh, during World War I, uh, she really helps out with the American Red Cross, helps with support, volunteers, etc. Not long later, uh, Will gets appointed to the Supreme Court. We talked about that in the last couple episodes. And Nellie is like, wow, I just became the first woman and the only woman to date to be both the first lady and the wife of a chief justice. And so she's like, I'm back. I'm in Washington, D.C. We're going to have parties again. I want to invite people over. And you know what? We're having booze. (laughs) That's a pretty big deal because, you know, it wasn't necessarily totally politically correct to uh, be wet at this time. But especially if you're a woman, um, you know, you had a lot of the proper women of the era stating that... Alcohol should be tempered. In other words, outlawed. Not Nellie. She's like, let's drink. Let's let's do this. And uh, Will, he was a pro- he was opposed to uh, prohibition as well, but um, he didn't drink himself. He was a teetotaler, and uh, both the Tafts they were against prohibition. So Nellie was quite influential. She published her memoirs like we talked about. She was actually the first first lady to own a car and also drive a car. Uh, She was the first first lady to support the women's right to vote. She was, and this one cracks me up, the first first lady to smoke cigarettes, at least that we know about. I have a feeling other first ladies probably smoke cigarettes and you just didn't hear about it, but she was the first one that anybody knew about. And she really was a, a champion for safe safety and for creating different standards that would, you know, we're still feeling the impact of in different federal workplaces and stuff like that. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, also the first first lady to be in the inauguration parade with her husband. Yeah. So William Howard Taft, he dies in 1930, but she hangs around. She stays in Washington, D.C. She serves as the honorary vice president of the Colonial Names of America, as well as the Girl Scouts of America. She dies in 1943 and is buried next to her husband at Arlington National Cemetery. Kind of interesting, Ben, that the Tafts, they start out in Cincinnati, and their kids very much had a role in the Cincinnati scene even up until this day and now now with the great great grandchildren um the Taft family very influential still in Ohio politics a little bit less in the last couple of decades due to um, some controversies but yeah they despite being 
Washingtonians for the last part of their lives, um, they still have that Midwest connection. Definitely. Absolutely. We would love to have a Midwest connection, which I guess we kind of do. But regardless of that, if you are in the Midwest or really anywhere else and you want to leave us a review, we would really appreciate that. And if you go over to iTunes and leave us a review, even if you don't listen to us on iTunes, that's huge because iTunes is where a lot of the reviews are. They're the most visible. People read them. They at least also see the score on the overall podcast. So head over there and leave us a review. If you don't want to use iTunes, you refuse and you use Overcast on your phone, uh, you can leave us a little review there too, just by simply starring the episode and it will suggest it to different people who might match interest with you. If you're on Twitter, it'll link it there, etc. So two things. We want you to review us and or we want you to star us on Overcast. Yeah. And just in case that sounds like a really complicated rigmarole to go through um it's not yeah it's not and you know what's even easier is to hit that subscribe button that's very important to us as well yeah just show us you think nelly gave up when things were when things were too hard i don't think so no no she's like let's do this and be like nelly (laughs) nelly would listen to election college Yes, and she would interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, we'd hope you'd just go. Go be like Nelly. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.